Imagine a life lived 30 minutes at a time. This is my life, a 30 minute life. Welcome to uh, our training session. And this training session, the, it's going over four weeks. Each session would be 45 minutes. And the plan is that the first session, we're going to talk about anxiety. The second one, we will talk about stress. The third one will be about depression. And the final one is going to be about uh, wrapping everything up, okay? So that's our plan. Each program will be, each episode will be divided into roughly three sections, describing, first of all, what is the problem? How does it affect you? And then what you can do to manage it in your daily life. So that's the goal. Uh, and hopefully everybody will benefit from this. At any stage as we go along, you're free to ask a question. And I will be asking Jonathan different questions along the way. But if everybody else wants to chime in, that's okay too. Because... I don't have all the right questions and uh, I, my experience is different to everybody else's. Okay, so before we start, uh, Jonathan, if you could just give us a little bit about who you are and uh, why you're here. Yeah. So I'm an academic really um, and I work in the NUI Go Away, I'm a director of the clinical psychology training program there. Um, I'm also in the Center for Pain Research, so I look at pain and fibromyalgia, MS, different, different uh, chronic pain conditions. Uh, so I'm a trained char chartered clinical psychologist, trained chartered health psychologist. I'm a group attachment therapist. I'm a short-term dynamic psychotherapist and a CBT therapist. So a few different things. I suppose when you become an academic, you, you do your clinical work one, one or two days a week, and the rest of the time you're, you're building up your resources to try and meet people in any way you can. So that's, that's me. I'm from Dublin originally, but I've been in the Midlands for about 15 years and then go away now about 11 years. Uh, wife, Adrienne's a, a GP out in Loch Ray. I've got three kids, nine, I can throw in the age nine, <laughs> nine, eight and five, two boys and a girl. Um, yeah, so they could come in. So apologies in advance. They, 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 they'd get a long in for me after an hour or so. So that's great. Thank you very much. And the reason why I Jonathan's involved with this is because I see Jonathan myself um, he's a psychologist that I see and I go to see him roughly every uh, month two months um, over the last three years and I've found him incredibly helpful okay so the first thing is we're going to be talking about anxiety today and what what is anxiety and how does it manifest itself so Jonathan can you just tell us what is anxiety why do we get it See, when you ask um, an, an average person what anxiety is, it's, it's a really simple answer, it, but it's simple but complex. But when you ask them with MS what anxiety is, that, that you, you've explored the different parts of anxiety that a lot of people have not experienced, and I'll talk about that in a minute. General anxiety is when you feel a bit tense, you, you're feeling a bit irritable, you can't concentrate so well, you've got muscle tension, you're not sleeping, you might have um, increased um, IBS, yeah, tendency to have difficulty swallowing, um, headaches, uh, upper back pain, lower back pain, um, burp, increase in burping. Uh, you might be uh, chewing on your, you might have bruxism or kind of clenching and, and grinding your teeth, teeth at night. When you talk to your, your dentist, they talk about that. You might have eye strain, tiredness in the eyes. There's a, so there's a whole gambit. You might have jumping muscles. If you're very, if, you're, if your system's very alert, your little 
jumping um, nerves in your eyes and that. Um, and then you also get numbness and tingling in your arms, numbness and legs, um, kind of coldness in your feet and hands. Um, so there's, there's hundreds of different symptoms of anxiety, feelings of, of dropping or collapsing, dizziness. Um, they're all the general things of anxiety, so, but anxiety is based on fear. So I, I, I'm just wondering about that, Jonathan, because we've got MS and uh, I've tingling. You yeah. know, that, that's, that's a regular part of my uh yeah. <laughs> symptoms so mm. how would i how can i differentiate my ms symptom from yeah. the symptoms of uh, anxiety okay so one thing when i meet people without ms in the practice um, is i'll check and see if they're upper chest breathers or lower chest breathers abdominal breathers so when we breathe in we shouldn't be raising our chest at all if we take a deep breath in it should only be our, our stomach, our belly filling in. When I jumped up to the side so you can see, so my, my okay. stomach's here. Yeah. See that? Yeah. So if I breathe in, it should be filling here and not moving up here. Okay. All right. And so my upper lungs um, shouldn't be filling. Um, so a lot of people with numbness and tingling when they have anxiety, what's happening is they're shallow breathers. They're like little hummingbirds and they breathe instead of six to eight breaths a minute, they'll be breathing about 12 to 14 breaths a minute. When we've increased the intake of oxygen, it causes a change in the, in the um, and, and cause, it causes peristalsis in, in the, so, okay, what's that? So it's a numbness and tingling and a coldness in the hands. And it can go down to your feet. People, when they get very bad, they get up into their jaw and their mouth and into, into their, into their um, lips. But that's still MS yeah. symptoms, right? Yeah. So, so that, well, that's anxiety. That's when you, you've changed the, the amount of oxygen you're taking in compared okay. to carbon dioxide. So if, if, you, if you change your breathing and the tingling goes away, that means that it's, it's anxiety-based, a biologically anxiety-based symptom. So, so you're saying that we need to just do this breathing, breathing from our stomach? Yeah. Maintaining our chest? So if you put your hand on your, on your belly button and your hand yeah. on your chest, and the best way to do it is to breathe out, first of all. So you should go, and your, chest, okay. your lower abdomen should go inwards. Okay. And you should breathe out for about eight seconds, or as much as you're comfortable. And then, when you, and then breathe in, so that when your back is at the back of the chair, your, your back should be filling the back of the chair. Okay. And pressing okay. against it. And breathe in for shorter than the, the eight. So you breathe in four or six seconds, whatever you're comfortable with. Then hold for about four seconds and then repeat again. Breathe out for eight. The important thing physiologically is to breathe out, breathe out longer than you breathe in. And that, that kicks in the parasympathetic, parasympathetic branch of the alarm system, the fear system. So, okay, what does parasympathetic, what so do you mean by that? Usually, now usually the parasympathetic branch is, is this wonderful thing that you learn in yoga and that to, to slow down all the sympathetic arousal what your body is sympathetic to what things you're frightened of you the racing heart the the um the dizziness the the speeding thoughts the all the things associated with it kind of a fight or flight situation and by kicking turning on the the opposite branch it's like putting a brake on that sympathetic or that accelerated system and calming it down the problem is i think that particularly people with migraine um, or people sometimes with chronic illnesses or pain or with ms is sometimes their parasympathetic branch is hard to differentiate from their um from their ms okay so with the parasympathetic branch what people will experience is a kind of a confusion um a dizziness 
um, a difficulty finding words, um, uh, an actual collapse sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's following the sympathetic rails in which you have an urgency to we or an urgency for number two. Um, and the numbness and tingling and all the, the, the accelerated heart, the difficulty swallowing and eating. But when I talk to people with, with MS, it's really difficult. We have to tease out over sessions. I think that could be MS or anxiety, or could it be both? Could it be an MS symptom? Add on the volume of anxiety, and it amplifies the symptom of underlying. So, so do you think that as somebody with MS, when, when we have this physical response, mm-hmm. um, and because that response for, for anxiety is yeah. similar to the symptoms of MS, that yeah. they kind of double up on each other. And yeah. does that mean that our anxiety is greater than somebody yeah. who doesn't have MS? Well, it, it tends to, in studies, they tend to find it's about double the amount of anxiety and we'll look at depression afterwards in people with MS than people with chronic illnesses. So it's even higher than people, you know, with chronic pain or other forms of chronic illness. Um, so yes, well, it, it depends. If you're like me, I catastrophize. So if I find, having a wife with a, who's a GP is very handy. If I find a mole on my hand, yeah. I will immediately think that's skin cancer, I'm gonna be dead in three months. Okay. Well, I, I go from a little bit of evidence and I go into the extreme. And I have to be really calmed down. I've put the full brakes on and do lots of work on myself so that I don't get completely overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Other people don't feel that way. And um, so it's, it's it, do we amplify or catastrophize based on the symptoms we're experiencing? If, if you're in the middle of a relapse, um, do, do you do you, do you say this is this is the end of me? This I'm never coming back to, to my old self again. I suppose it's, it's similar in how people have responded to COVID, isn't it? That, that some people it's been great. Uh, it's it's been a, a calming thing with the other parts around. Other people going, I'm, I'm never going to be back to myself. The world is never going to turn back to be normal again. So it depends on how we perceive that bit. It, it, like the, I think as people with MS, uh, we ha- we have the added problem of uh particularly during this pandemic yeah that the the threat to our health is greater than it is for other people and i i recently shared a thing on twitter that uh people with ms that have um that are overweight which Mm -hmm. happens when you don't move a lot okay (laughs) right uh people who have a disability score of higher than three okay And I've got a disability score of six. Okay. okay? Right. So six, six and a half. And then I've got lung issues on top of that. So the, the risk of this virus for people with MS, and then you have a disease modifying therapy that is immunosuppressant. Okay. That's, and so you are in adaptive anxiety, adaptive fear. You need to have an element of fear within you internal in, in, in inside you can imagine if your, your your partner or friends saw robert going and said i'm going to go out to the, the farmer's market today get mm-hmm. some nice cheese get a nice wine from sheridan's and come home and, ha- and share it with my partner we'd all be experiencing the anxiety you should you should be experiencing yourself there if we heard yeah. that but see i've got i've got that anxiety uh, of people coming around and potentially getting the virus but it, it's the it's greater for me, yeah. you know, um, and, and that really is, um, yeah, that makes it really, really difficult, you know, because we, we, we have to, to watch that, um, 
you know, I, I'm going out into the wild and mm. there's all these people doing whatever they're doing. And you have people without masks, you have people, yeah. you know, walking close beside you, coughing, you've got children running around the place and that just drives it into orbit. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, when we're in fear, our background setting for fear, imagine your normal fear setting, say five to seven, you go between okay. five to seven out of 10. When the COVID's there, suddenly you're going to seven to nine. Uh-huh. Old gear shift has moved upwards. So you need very little more to push the load into complete, you know, a state of anxiety, an anxiety state, where then your sleep gets affected, um, where your, your ability to swallow food um, and, and uh, your gastrointestinal tract gets affected. Um, and then your, your muscle tension increases and your whole body goes into a sense of anticipated attack. And what happens then is our neck tightens, our head pulls in a bit, mm-hmm. um, our breathing becomes more shallow, our, 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 we have gastrointestinal upset. So that can really set us up, particularly during a traumatic time, which is ongoing. So if, if you've been having an increased anxiety, it would make complete sense. See, yeah, it's just, it, it, this, is, this is, and I'm, I'm harping back to this, and it's continuous. The symptoms that you were describing there, you know, gastrointestinal problems, bladder function, yeah. bowel function. Um, yeah. These are all symptoms that I have in my daily life, my, yeah. my regular daily life um, because of MS. And the, it, now you're saying that the anxiety, the way anxiety represents in me is sim- the, my MS symptoms. Yeah. Okay. And you're different. The only way that you said so far to differentiate between the two mm-hmm. is if I breathe in a particular way and the tingling disappears. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's a, it's a, it's very difficult yeah. to figure out a way of really difficult. Yeah. You know, separating the MS from the anxiety. Yeah. And are we really anxious or is it just the MS, right? Yeah. Or is it just anxiety and we're, we're saying, oh, it's an MS symptom. Yeah, it's, it's well, you, you'll have evidence of, you know, um, from, from brain studies and that you'll have evidence there of, of, of things which your, your, your specialists will be looking at. Mm-hmm. However, um, a lot of the things do mimic, um, apart from, you know, people with anxiety won't tend to have a leaking um, when, they, you know, post-urination or something, yeah. uh, unless they have an underlying separate di- 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 bladder or di- difficulty. Um, so the, the incontinence factor um, or the clearing of the bowel, you know, is, is, fecally, that can be different. That will be different. However, people with severe um, anxiety and IBS will have that, that, the same urgency to, to defecate the same pain um, internally, um, but some of the, the functional parts of the completion of, of the urination task mm-hmm. or going to the, the, for number two will be different, obviously. So you have to add that in. But if you think about it, any, any pain or any symptom in the body which is then amplified by anxiety, it's going it's to be, be amplified. Okay. Um, and also the sense of, I suppose, with anxiety, we don't feel like we're in control. Um, the sense of being power, in, in an autonomous powerful position is particularly taken away if we can't leave, go outside and if we can't we can't control other people's behaviors um, that's the hardest bit actually yeah. for, for me is uh, I, I for the first time in three months i went to a shop yesterday wow <laughs> right and it was 
uh, everybody to me was a threat. Yeah. Everybody around me was a threat. And I was like, I had to wear the mask and then my glasses were fogging up and I couldn't see stuff. And could I, should I take off the mask to breathe? So that I, you know, there's a whole, all this stuff mm. piling mm. on top of each other. Um, yeah. And when I came out of the shop, I said to my partner, I said, that's it. I'm, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this anymore. It's just, it's too much. Even recalling this, Robert, um, the people on the radio listening to the show won't see it, but Re Robert's face has gone quite red. His breath has changed into a shallow breath and almost up breath holding, which could frighten the brain into a feeling of being, you're drowning, kind of, and it will set in a gag reflex. Yeah. And often what happened then would be a dizzy feeling or a feeling of um, being difficult to swallow or, or a burpy feeling will kick in. So it's very, it was very frightening for you. Even recalling it was frightening. Yeah, absolutely. And see, we're all going through this. Mm. You know, I, I'm, I'm not unique in that. And so what, what can I do? Yeah. How do I, how do I overcome that, that fear? So when fear is, is present, yeah, we've, I talked about the breath earlier to slow yeah. into the breath, but it's to, I call it half time or slow time. It's when I get frightened and if I'm worried about a physical, because I'm, quite neurotic and um, I have to slow myself down to half speed okay to half the, the rate of talking I'll have to slow myself right down to half time speed of talking um, I'll have to anticipate part of anxiety and fear is the anticipation of something awful happening mm -hmm. so I have to try and manage and plan and you're a good planner as you know um, plan what I'm going to do in the safest way possible because there's going to be calculations about risk it could be which shop do I go to? Um, which, where, where will I be able to access sanitizer? Can I bring my own sanitizer? What type mask do I have? Is it, is it, is it good enough? Will I have a plan when I get home to, to wash my clothes or something, particularly if you're not in a high risk um, thing? So it's about slowing down and the anticipation bit becomes important. Um, now, if, if you've got obsessional thoughts and intrusive thoughts which come with anxiety, you'll have to really you know, be careful with that because it could become a, it become a compulsive pattern, but we're, so that's more of a specific type of, of um, uh, kind of anxiety that people have. We panic then, um, when, when we get into, I call it um, galloping, when you, when you start to gallop, literally like a horse, you're going from a canter to a gallop, it's a lot harder to slow down then. Mm -hmm. But the preventative strategies such as doing mindfulness or yoga or, or um, breathing techniques aren't as helpful then once we get into a gallop, as we all know. It's very hard to do things to manage anxiety when we've got into a state of anxiety. However, if we meet somebody who gets us, who knows us, whether it's your psychologist, whether it's your partner, whether it's your dog, of slowing down and making eye connection with somebody and just breathing and just saying, I felt really frightened there. I didn't expect it. I really, I could see all the dangers from everywhere. My brain was just in that zone of black or white. Are you with me? Or are you against me? Um, am I safe or unsafe? Is this the time I'm going to get it? all these kind of catastrophic thinkings and, and the way adrenaline, when it kicks in, in the fear system, it doesn't look for um, safety and, and doesn't bring your memories back of, of your favorite holidays or your favorite things, your favorite movie. It brings in all your fear memories. It brings in all the evidence for when someone's sitting in the room with me, my eyes are moving now because there's so many faces in front of me. But if, if, if an anxious person's in front of me in the clinic room here, I will see their eyes move rapidly. They won't know to the yeah. door to the window, to the windows of the door, to me. And, and what's happening is their brain is assessing the exit, okay. the exit strategy, how to be safe. 
Okay. When, when we make, with someone we trust, we don't trust somebody. It's, it's a bit like I worked with some divers somewhere in Ireland. And the, the chap said to me, I can work with you, Jonathan, because when you're a diver, when you're learning, you have to be able to look the person in the eyes and non-verbally relate. And it's quite frightening, isn't it? Going to different depths if you're a diver, because you know what can happen. And so you need somebody who you can really connect with. The problem with chronic illness is sometimes we start to issue and people drop off the boat as we go on our journey with MS mm-hmm. or journey with chronic illness. And suddenly we're only there with our partner and maybe one friend. So it, it, it becomes difficult to know who to, to be able to have that connection time with, with who calms us, who makes us feel. So we, we go into beyond anxiety into what we call defense. And that's when we're not really nice to ourselves, when we feel like a burden, when we're hard on ourselves when we stop making eye contact with our partner, when we feel like no one understands what we're going through, um, those kind of parts of, of the, the, it's a removal of, you become depersonalized. And the problem with anxiety is depersonalization is one of the symptoms when it gets very high, where you look out and the world doesn't feel real. If it's like going to a funeral and, um, you know, when you put someone you love to who's died, not somebody you didn't care about. Uh, and you have that sense of the world being a bit black or white and sepia color or a bluey tone. Um, that you don't really feel present. You feel it almost, you looked at your own hands. They might look big or small. They might feel like your, your own hands. You might feel dizzy. You might feel a bit cold in, in, your, in, your, in your body. Um, and you don't feel like yourself. And so we get into that zone. That's beyond anxiety into the, into the immobilization response, which I think a lot of people with anxiety, general anxiety, you know, and, and panic and worry mightn't understand that as much as some with MS because with MS, those um, non-myelinated aspects of the neurological disorder get, get, get amplified. The sense of not being in contact with self, the, the, the cognitive confusion, the, the not, can I trust my memory, um, can, my concentration, how long do I have last in the, left in this battery here that it's internal inside me? Um, have I paced myself enough? Um, I, do, will I be able to get the right word out? Will I embarrass myself with the, the, my fluency? All those aspects. And then the, the, the um, am I going? Am I flagging? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes will I take to the bed um, when the anxiety gets so bad that I feel like I've got heavy limbs, heavy arms, heavy legs, and that I have no energy left. And then we're stuck in the double bind. Is this um, the neurosym- neurological symptoms of MS or is it severe anxiety where I've gone into mobilization? It, it, like that it's it's like we're caught in a trap like yeah. we we can't avoid this feeling of anxiety yeah and i i don't know how how we can overcome it now i know myself mm. uh when i feel this i remember listening to um a podcast because i listened to them right and uh this guy said uh that the symptoms of anxiety are very similar to the symptoms of of excitement. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he the, he was saying that what you need to do is reframe yeah. what you're doing and mm-hmm. say, "Is this excitement?" So, for example, with me yesterday when I went to the shop, okay, mm-hmm. I was probably a little bit anxious going. When I got there, it just became too much. Mm-hmm. but if i if i stopped and said well actually i'm just excited that i'm in a shop and that i get to see all these things that i haven't been able to see for the last <laughs> you know three months right uh, 
is that effective or am I cutting myself a bit? <laughs> <laughs> well, you could be cutting yourself a bit there because it's a, this is like the reality is like, I suppose with, with anxiety, neurotic fear is when we amplify the unrealistic. But you were in a place okay. where it's real, realistically that there could be COVID-19 uh -huh. million COVID's on one, the end of a pin, isn't there? The top of a pin. So, um, Oh God, no, anyone with underlying things which cause risk, I think that an essential level of anxiety is needed until the vaccine comes, literally. And then there'll be fear about taking the vaccine and all that will have to come separately. Um, but um, So, yeah. see, the, it, if you look at the, this pandemic, mm. uh, from somebody, from, from our perspective, as people with MS, yeah. the, the likelihood of us being able to incorporate back into society anytime in the near future yeah. is actually very limited, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that also has another problem in that because the way we live our lives as humans is we have to interact with other people. You know, yeah. that's, that's what we do. We're social animals. Yeah. And whether I'm an introvert or an extrovert, at some stage, we like to socialize in some form or another. And we're blocked from doing that. And the only way that we can uh, meet other people is if we're fortunate to live at home with somebody and we have a partner that we can offload on, but God help them. And because we have to offload everything on them. Um, or uh, we do things like this Zoom call, yeah. uh, but that, that, that's not quite as personal, you know? Okay. So, so we've got this prospect, this six months. Yeah, it's it's um, the the reality is, is that it's it's isolation, um, and that we feel frustrated that we can't do our normal things which give us vitality. So our shared interests with others or our own interests with ourselves give us vitality, mm -hmm. and that vitality when we have it makes us sexier and makes us want to make love and do all those things and gives us that, that feeling of libido or a feeling of of um, I'm a useful, pur a pur a purposeful person with a meaning in life, and that I. I have a meaning to wake up every day too. Um, the powerlessness aspect is really frightening. When, when I teach the health psychology students in the university, we know that when you feel powerless or helpless, that's the biggest immunosuppressant you can do psychologically to somebody or to socially reject them is the third thing. So you, so in a way, it's, it's a, you have to have like a, a buoy when you jump into water you have to really make the effort. Like today is a, it's a brilliant thing. I remember doing my first one with therapists around the world. Yeah. I thought such a feeling of increased vitality afterwards and a feeling of relief because the modern world doesn't tell us about how important it is to be met by somebody where you're at, to be met with and not distorted with your MS, that you're still Robert with MS, who has MS, but it doesn't define you in any way to me, as you know, mm -hmm. but, but, it's, it's a, it, but it's a reality. That sounds a bit twee, but but it's so important to be met with your as you yourself with, with whatever conditions we have, um, and then to talk about it and the shared interests here today um, is will if it if it is not too frightening that hasn't tipped you over into into complete fear, and mm -hmm. um, will increase your vitality. So it's very important for those those bits, and then the deconditioning bit, the physical what you eat, you can't access the foods you need for your biome for your brain got access to keep you healthy. Um, you, uh, your sleep might be all over the place. So there's about 10 different things you have to try and manage there. Um, and that will then keep bringing your, resetting your anxiety system down to a five to seven rather than a, a seven to a nine or 10. 
Okay. Um, now, <laughs> there's a lot here. And uh, I suppose at this stage, we're, we, we need to start talking about ways to help resolve this anxiety or maybe not resolve it, but control it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, like, I've got two uh, questions that people have asked me to ask you. Yeah. Uh, uh, one is that, uh, for example, on a busy day, when there's been a lot of engagement with people, yeah. uh, they're looking for a strategy of how to pri prioritize time mm -hmm. to allow their brain to, to rest before the next burst of thinking is, okay. Yeah. So they're yeah. me meeting people on a continuous basis during the day. Yeah. They need to be full on mm -hmm. for each person that they meet. Yeah. How do they, in that break time, I suppose, come back to zero? Yeah. So that so that it's not a cumulative pattern yeah. of anxiety. Okay. This is a really difficult question to, uh, to answer. Um, because if you ask somebody, what do you like to do to get back to your vitality? Mm -hmm. Might be the right thing for them to do or for okay. me to do. Um, there are booms, boomers and busters. I'm a buster. I'd like to take to the bed. I'd like to, if I get chronic pain, I'd like to do nothing. Mm -hmm. um, a colleague I work with in the chronic pain service, she's a, a, a boomer. She'll overdo it and, 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 and try and get vitality to do more. So we need to get somewhere in between. Um, so for example, if it was to go and lie in bed for a few minutes, because of the, the neurological and also the physical fatigue people have, might be the best idea. It might be better to go and do a brisk five-minute walk, or brisk as you can do, five-minute walk, to increase vitality. You'll know by doing it, and it's about not overextending. So we need to learn to pace. So you've got this piece of page going, how much energy do I have for the day? 80% is going to be used up over those three hours of the, my whole energy for the day. How do I manage it, pace it? And what people need to do is not count the amount of time when they've gone into a, a bust. So literally they were, they were gone for the next day or two days after a really good day when they could suddenly do things again and they got, you're functioning back. And um, what we need to do is kind of look at, say, four, four days where you didn't go into bust. Count how much time that was. So say, say on, on, on Wednesday, I could work for about two hours. I could work Thursday it was three hours. Uh, Friday, it was four hours, amazingly, yeah. and I didn't bust, um, and say the Tuesday was one and a half hours. So you'd add that four plus three is seven plus one and a half, eight and a half plus two, ten and a half, divided by four, you get two and a half, or around that, yeah. and then half that, and you start from the half, the one and a half hours, uh, Okay. and that's pacing, and then you build every few days, every three days, another quarter of an hour, half an hour, it's knowing yourself how much you can do until the, so you do, to a space where you can get the up to three hours or four hours. So, uh, so this particular person, then uh, when they're engaging with people, you're saying that they have to figure out what that time slot is yeah. that they're starting off and say, okay, I can meet with somebody, but only for 30 minutes. Yeah. Right. And that's a bit like what, you know, I've got my blog, a 30 minute life. That actually is my limit, you know, 30 minutes. Yeah. I know for this session, it's, we're going to be on the go for 45 minutes. I'm pushing myself past my normal yeah. thing, but it's, it's an acceptable cost for me yeah. because of what I'm hoping to achieve from this. So I don't mind if I crash this afternoon or even tomorrow mm. um, because of the gain from this moment. So yeah. it took me a while to find that time so that okay so that's the one one question the second question that i have here um 
And so this particular person uh, has a facial pain, trigeminal neuralgia. Okay. <laughs> and so, so when this person has their TN or, and they also have cluster headaches, um, okay. the world can seem a cold, dark and lonely place, they say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which heightens their anxiety. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and then that has a feedback and it makes the pain worse. Right. Yeah. So they're anxious and then the pain gets worse. And actually, I actually, I understand this one because of my co- constant headaches. It, if I push myself too far, the pain gets worse. And then I start to wor- get worried that it's going to become worse and it just keeps looping. Um, so, what he's asking uh, is, yeah. I'm going to have to pull it up here again, is what can he do to help uh, pull himself out of that? Yeah. Should, should we slow, like go to half time and slow it right down? Can I share my screen with you? And, we'll, yeah. and, and if anyone's got a pen with them or a piece of paper, if you can do it for yourself or, or, or kind of learn it, we're going to try over the four weeks, use the island metaphor to try and get you to understand yourself and anybody's um, current state. So attended screen so share screen we go into okay i'll just make sure you can okay um and to try and because one thing like children where they learn how to count cows before they learn the number five is they count literally on their fingers Uh so we want to do is slow down our symptoms and and put them on a piece of paper to externalize them um so share screen it says disabled attendee screen sharing at the moment oh wait a second. okay let's see uh uh let's see if we can do that check now see if you can do it okay, i'll try again share screen yes great so i go yeah. to my whiteboard um so bear with us for a minute because sir okay can people see a whiteboard there yeah i can okay, good, good, good. um so i'm going to draw i'm going to draw a, a badly drawn uh, triangle it might be exactly a mental builder. Yeah, okay, so we've got a triangle. Imagine this is the, your island. So it's Jonathan's Island or Robert's Island or Mary's Island. And at the bottom of the island is me, okay? Okay. And um, have I got access to all my emotions? So I'll write a few of them down, sadness, joy, um, anger, important one to have. Um, uh, sadness, uh, joy, uh, shared interest. It's going to be a curiosity part of curiosity. Um, and I said shared interest, sexuality. Um, very important for people with current condition is self compassion. So we'll start off there, and if, we, if, you, if you go back without mentioning the person's name, is, does the person sound like they're in access to sadness, joy, anger, a shared interest, curiosity, sexual, sexuality, self-compassion, or what, what, what appears that's not there? So you're looking here at your different emotions. And yeah. I, I remember myself, I had a very big issue with actually... Uh, sharing my emotions okay this went back historically uh i went to boarding school it just wasn't safe to share emotions in an environment like that yeah and so i learned to hide them okay uh 
and that had an effect on me. My asthma got worse and that type yeah. of stuff. So yeah. um, blocking those emotions was, um, I had to do it for safety at the time. Uh, yeah. Then to unlearn that was like, oh, geez. yeah, yeah, re- really difficult actually. Yeah. And so, to get get in touch with those, especially things like anger, yeah, very hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So imagine when you're there, or the person who gave the example, you're moving away from the true self, from the the real you, and you're moving up into what we call inhibition or anxiety, that part of the island where you don't want to live. And I suppose during COVID time, there's going to be a bit of a movement towards that side of the, that side of the island. And with inhibition anxiety, we get the fight or flight that we mentioned before. We also get the flop and collapse aspect um, or immobilization, taking to the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what's deconditioning? Is that the word? And That's very common. What do you mean by deconditioning? Uh, where we stop walking, we stop exercising, stop stretching. Um, so we, we don't work from a... a a, a nice baseline where we know we can move from with energy levels. So, um, so not managing uh, energy. Like, I, I, do you know, I, it, to me, this is really unfair, actually, because <laughs> part of part of the illness is that you exercise is difficult, and yeah. you know you've got low energy levels anyway with fatigue yeah. and yeah. you've got pain which actually saps your energy as well yeah yeah Definitely. you know and so i do i do flop and i do you know turn to the bed and yeah. the thought of doing exercise is just sometimes of course can't do it like yeah. but because it's that's when that, the neurological aspect takes over so it's about having that that conversation with yourself about is this or is it me giving up so how do I know the difference? It's hard. Um, it's it's supposed it, with the um, for some people it could be if we get into almost like a depressed state, which we'll be talking about again. It's where you literally take to the bed, where it's starting initiation. I think becomes very difficult. So with people when they get into that immobilized state, what I say to them is get three alarms in the morning, so that you have to literally get out of bed and then go straight to the shower. So you're getting that you're starting to help yourself with that difficulty of initiation uh, behaviors. You have to try everyone has to try and think of different things for them to do to go for, if I feel tired, to go for a three minute walk instead of going to the bed to lie down. Mm-hmm. And these are all things that people with any chronic um, illness would do, you know, with, with diabetes, with chronic pain. Um, but then there's also the bit not to beat yourself up. See the shame and guilt here. It's because shame mm-hmm. and guilt comes in when we get into this, this part. And then what happens is if we don't manage those, because if you've got a neurological, um, it's a, your, your neurology is saying, you've no, you've, it's literally firing it and causing you to have that collapse and, and fatigue. Yeah then you have to be nice to yourself and not going to if I can get this to write down I'm here a text and if we're not managing our anxiety if we don't talk to your partner about it to me about it to, to your GP to your friend and the anxiety is not managed then we end over here over here in self-defense and that's we all know we've been there when we look back a few months later and go oh god I really wasn't myself then I really withdrew and um, yeah. I became irritable um, I um, I increase my consumption of things, uh, which is online shopping, eating, um, AliExpress, anything, uh, yeah, uh, yeah uh, anything that we consume, or even just going into 
uh, I secluded myself and just did mindfulness too much. You know, anything that's too, it's where we know when something is a, a compulsion, when we have to have it right now. It's like a smoker, I need to have a cigarette. I need that gin and tonic now. Okay. Um, and that could be anything. So any of those bits there. But also we get into that place of um, with me or against me. Okay. In me. Um, uh, others only care about themselves. You know, these kind of ways where we start to distort other people because of the position where we feel that, um, because where, where we feel and we don't, we don't sit down and go, well, hang on, there are some people in my life who do care um, and, and get it. Um, and then we can get into even terrible places where we start to um, devalue ourselves. And when I talk to people, I listen to for a few things where they devalue themselves when they start to feel like a um, burden. Mm-hmm. When the sense of future and the hope is gone for the, the future and that the world is a bad place, then I start to worry about a person. How we get access to ourselves with MS is down here. All okay. the emotions you have and, and your ability to share, uh, to, to, to have enjoyment with others of things, your curiosity, your sexuality and your self-compassion. If that's not managed and we aren't coming from that place, we'll go into anxiety up here. Okay. Anxiety, all the physical things we talked about earlier. And if that's not managed, so in other words, anxiety is a really good symptom to tell you that you're not being as much yourself as you okay. can. Now, some of it could be MS, couldn't it? So yeah. MS symptoms. We have to really start to think about these things and, and, and test them to see if they're MS symptoms. And it could be that, okay, I feel like I'm going to collapse. And for some people with MS, when I work with them, I, I would say that, okay, when you're getting out of bed or standing, going from a, a lying or sitting position to standing up, they might get that tachycardia syndrome, you know, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. I don't understand what you're saying about that. I don't so that. Um, when people stand up, they, a lot of people with MS will get POTS, it's called P-O-T-S. So when they stand up, they'll suddenly go, they'll feel like they're going to faint or they feel oh, yeah, yeah. better, better their chest. So for those people, um, I will tell them when they stand up to go into almost a, a, a power stance where they, they tighten their legs, their bottom, their arms and hold it for 20 seconds whilst breathing at the same time and then to move and see if they feel the dizziness again. If they do, then to repeat that, that power stance for 20 minutes or run on the spot. So it's becoming curious again, bringing the curiosity in again about your, about your symptoms, which is really hard. Um, because the first thing we do when we feel dizzy is we naturally go over and lean against something. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes in a session with somebody, I'll say, okay, let's spin in the circle. I'll clear the chairs around in case they do collapse. Yeah. So in other words, to test and see, okay, what, how much of it is anxiety and the symptoms of anxiety and how much is it actually neurological symptoms? And often it's, it's, it's 70, 30, 70% neurological and 30% anxiety. Okay. Vice versa. So I stopped sharing the screen. So see the way, and I suppose over the four weeks, we'll, we'll look at this. We'll, we'll bring the, the, the island out and help people mm-hmm. have a look at that and where the, when they're at. Um, and to slow it down because we're talking about so much today. It's, it's, um, it's exciting for me yeah. to see you and, and all the faces of people, but it could also be going over people's heads and we might be meeting people where they're at. So it's about giving people time to, to really. So you know. we're, we're just at about at 45 minutes wow. now. Okay. And uh, I'm sure people have questions. Um, if anybody has a question, you can feel free to ask it now. Um, and if nobody has a question, that's fine too. We can leave some time for the session next week mm-hmm. at the beginning to ask the questions that you think about over the week. 
right. check in kind of, yeah. Yeah, Good. because I know like for myself, sometimes I can't, I'll think about a great question in an hour's time mm. and then say, you know, how come I didn't get a chance to ask it? I want everybody to have that opportunity and you can actually email me or you can uh, drop me a message and I can ask the question for you. So thank you for listening to a 30 minute life. Next week, we'll be discussing stress and how to manage it during the pandemic.